Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. You get in, you can't breathe. She actually likes that. She enjoys that moment. I'm like grasping for the, you know, the windows to be opened. And yesterday I felt like an ice cube just melting away. All my power was being taken away from me like kryptonite from, you know. <laughs> anyway, so um, I just wanted to give you a heads up, church. Next, next week we are starting a new series and it is... Uh, it's going to be on God and sexuality, and we're going to be talking about that for the, for the next three weeks. Um, and so I just wanted to give you a heads up on that and, and let you know where we're going to be going. And we're going to be talking about the whole transgender agenda and the LGBTQT um, movement and what is God's response to all of that. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage you it's, it's to come and, and bring your friends and I think it's going to be a powerful time where we're going to really trust God for healing in this area in our lives. So, so don't miss out on that. And yes, it is Valentine's Day next week and, you know, that, well, over that time and whatever. So, so I know relationships are big on your mind and, and all of that. But let, we're going to go to the Bible and we're going to see what God says about it all. Amen. Okay, so, so today we're going to continue and we're going to wrap up our talk on uh, who is the greatest and um, last week we started this conversation, and we really started it because it was the disciples, there's two occasions where the disciples were arguing about who is the greatest in Luke 9 and Luke, and, and Luke 22. They were arguing amongst themselves, who's going to be the, who's going to be the greatest? And, uh, and Jesus comes and he, and he corrects them, and he shows them uh, how to become great in his kingdom. And typically what we do in church settings is we, we, we say that, you know, if you have a desire to be great or do something great with your life, that's actually a wrong thing. That's like a bad thing. You're, you've got pride and you shouldn't want to do that. But it's interesting. Jesus didn't correct them for wanting to be great. He just corrected them on how to be great. Um, in other words, God actually wants us to be great. He came to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. And I'm going to make a great nation from you. Jesus said, if you do these things in my kingdom, you will be great. We know that in the kingdom of God, you can be the least. Any volunteers? <laughs> or you could be great in the kingdom. Okay, so the kingdom of heaven is not this big, like, communist, like, you know, utopia where everybody gets the, the same amount of jelly beans, okay? We, we all, there's going to be least and there's going to be greatest. And, and Jesus clearly says to us that the desire in your heart for greatness is actually a good thing, but you just got to place it on the right thing. You got to place it on his picture of greatness and what he calls us to. Um, and then obviously do it the way he wants us to do it. And so last week we learned that greatness in the kingdom is Greatness in the kingdom is serving. Okay, we learned that last week, that uh, the greatest of all is the servant of all, that serving is actually the path to greatness. This morning, we're going to learn another path to greatness, um, and that is the path called discipleship. Can you look at somebody this morning and say discipleship? <laughs> discipleship is another path to greatness. And we see, um, like serving, discipleship is not necessarily the popular thing that's happening in the world, um, and especially in the church world. Serving is often the thing that is overlooked, or the thing that we kind of have excuses not to do, or it's the, the one thing we really struggle to do, it's not very glamorous, it's not very exciting sometimes, sometimes there's no rewards this side of eternity for the things that we do, uh, that we serve in, and so you have to have this long-term eternal mindset when you're doing it, and it's pretty much the same when it comes to discipleship. That it's not a very glamorous thing. It's not a very talked about thing. It's not a very like celebrated thing. It's not a very a thing that you get immediate rewards for. Sometimes you will only see the rewards on eternity. But like serving, it is a path to greatness. 
It is a kingdom way to greatness. And so while the world looks at, uh, uh, sells a picture to us and says, well, if you want to be great, do this and do this and do this, and then you will get here. God says, you know, don't deny that desire for greatness, but just put it in the right place where you will be eternally rewarded. And, and the path to get there is by serving. And we're going to learn today also through discipleship. And so the, the challenge before all of us this morning is, can we look at our lives and the goal and the future of our lives differently to the way the world does? Can we hold an eternal perspective for our lives? Can we aim for the picture that God puts in front of us? Or will we continually get distracted and chase after things that never really satisfy in this world? And that's the challenge that is before us. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to learn about discipleship and we're going to learn why it is the path to greatness. So if you have a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 5 and let's stand to our feet. And before we read the word, can we pray our prayer? Before we read the word, let's do it all together. Come on. Father in heaven, I commit this time to you. I believe your plans for me are good and everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, healing and direction. I treasure your word more than my daily bread. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. Speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. Amen. You can take your seats. And let's go to Matthew 5. And verse 19. Can we read this together as well? Just want to make sure you're all there this morning. Are we good? Let's go. So, if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same... You will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So Jesus is clearly telling us how you can be great in the kingdom of heaven. I wonder if the disciples were actually arguing about who was going to be the greatest because Jesus has actually built a culture in his team where greatness was something to be pursued. I don't think he was trying to hold them back in any way, but I think he was inspiring them with greatness for their lives and a great picture for their lives, and hence the argument possibly broke out. So I want you to see Jesus is not trying to hold you back from being great, okay? He actually is there to encourage the greatness that he's put inside you, and he wants to see it all come out. So here he, he marks out a way. So let me ask you, look at the scripture above, and I'm going to ask the question, who will be Great in the kingdom of God. Anyone who? Anyone who? Obeys the word of God and teaches them. This, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, is really the definition of discipleship. This is what discipleship is. Discipleship is obeying Christ and teaching others to do the same. It's as simple as that. It's interesting, like if you had to walk into a shoe store and if you had to ask somebody who worked there, like, could you tell me what a shoe is? Do you think they would be able to tell you? Pretty, pretty, I'm pretty sure they would, hey? Okay. Um, just like if you had to walk into a fruit and veg store and you had to ask somebody, like, what an apple is, I'm pretty sure they would be able to tell you what an apple is, and if you had to ask them, can you show me an apple, or can you give me a pair of shoes, they would be able to show you a pair of shoes and give you an apple, all right? But it's interesting, if you come to the church today, and we had to ask the same question, like, what is a disciple, and who is a disciple, there would be this murmur of, well, I think it's, I think it's like when you do that, and maybe when you, if you like that, and I'm not sure if I am or if he is, or, you know, there's this like a lot of confusion. When actually the whole purpose of the church is to make disciples. That's really the whole purpose of church. And we, if we're going to be in the business of church, we've got to know what we're doing, right? What our business is. Our business is making disciples. It's discipleship. And what is discipleship? It's really somebody who's obeying Christ and teaching others to do the same. That's, that's really discipleship. It's obeying Christ and teaching others to do the same. 
There, when I look at that statement, I think there is like one glaring disconnect, like an immediate disconnect when I, when I look at that statement and when I look at the church today. And, and that would be the fact that in the church world, I think we're really good at emphasizing the first part of that, where it says obey Christ. You know, the church is really like, hey, we want you to obey Christ, you know, follow Christ, you know, do this. And this is how Jesus taught. And what would Jesus do? WWJD, this is what you should do, you know. It's all about obeying Christ. And, and we haven't done so well in emphasizing the second part of that, which is teaching others to do the same. But we can't disconnect the first part from the second part. In, the, in our minds, what we've done is we often look at the, the first part and we go, okay, that's my part. I'll obey Christ. And the second part, teach others to do so, would be Wayne's job because that's his job. He's the pastor. He teaches others. So we bring him here. He teaches them. And, um, and I must do the first part. When Je- but Jesus didn't say, I want you to know in that passage, he didn't say, but Wayne, you know, is the one who must obey God's laws and teach them. He said, anyone. Okay? So this is not open. This is not just for pastors and leaders in the church and elders. This is actually for anyone. Okay? He said, anyone. So this is open to you today. Can you nudge somebody and say, hallelujah? This is for you. Okay? That, <laughs> this, is, this is for anyone. Anyone. It's like it's an open door. It's like Jesus hasn't reserved the invitation for just a select, gifted, anointed few. He's like, anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be great in the kingdom. So we can't disconnect the first part and the second part and think that just my obedience is enough for the path to greatness. Obedience is so important. And we're going to talk more about it just now. But like... It's the two together. It's obey and teach others to do also. Greatness in the kingdom is not just a me journey. It's a we journey. In other words, your, your obedience needs to spill out over onto other people as well in order for you to qualify for what Jesus is talking about here in terms of greatness in the kingdom. Obeying Christ is about... You being faithful to Christ. Teaching others is about you being fruitful. And God calls each and every one of us to be both faithful and to be fruitful. If we want to be disciples, that means if you want to be a disciple, what is a disciple of Jesus? It's really somebody who's faithful to follow Jesus, but they're also fruitful. In other words, they're teaching others to do the same as well. So it's faithfulness and fruitfulness. And really, this is our vision as a church is really for each and every single person sitting here is that you would be faithful to Christ, but that you would also be fruitful. And we're not going to just put the emphasis on the faithful part. We want to put the emphasis on the fruitful and if you haven't noticed, that's why we've kind of got Reach Disciple Impact up there on the wall. That is not just a cool slogan. That is how you be fruitful. You'll be fruitful by reaching other people who don't know Jesus, by discipling them, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded, and then impacting them with the love of God. Okay, so fruitfulness is an imperative when you look at Scripture. In fact, when you, when you read many passages in the Old Testament, you want, you want to, there's one thing that really gets God frustrated, and that is a lack of fruitfulness. It really actually makes him quite mad. You know, he, it, in this one passage in Isaiah, he talks about planting this vineyard, and he, he sows so much into this vineyard, and he, and he, you know, he, he builds this, the, the apparatus for the vineyard to grow, and he puts a tower, and he puts a wall around it, and he protects it, and he's like, this vineyard is amazing. And then he comes to the vineyard, and he looks for fruit, and he doesn't find any. And it makes him mad. He's like, I've invested so much. Why? Because he wanted to see fruitfulness. He wanted to see fruitfulness at the end of it. And so that is really, that vineyard is a picture of our lives. 
Not just so that you can be obedient and that you can just be so faithful and so, yeah, I've done everything, but it's also so that you can be fruitful, that your life would, the, the, the trail of your life, would, you would look back on your life and you would see others who've received from what you, what's been invested in you. Okay, So that is the path of greatness in the kingdom, being faithful and being fruitful. And for the rest of this message, I just want to look at those two verbs. Okay, that, that obey and teach. All right. So if you have a Bible, you can join me in 1 Samuel 15. Um, let's, let's talk about obedience first. Um, let's be honest this morning. Obedience is not really a word we like as adults. Can I hear an amen? amen? It's not really something we aspire to as adults. I mean, like children obey, dogs obey, slaves obey. We, we do what we want to do. Amen. <laughs> like I'm, I'm over that. I've grown out of that. You can't tell me what to do anymore. No one really sits down and says, okay, my life vision is to be an obedient person. <laughs> Yet it is the path of greatness in the kingdom of God. It is what God requires of our lives. There's this passage in Samuel, 1 Samuel 15, where Saul was given these commands by God uh, through Samuel. He was told what to do. He was told to utterly destroy the Amalekites, and, and he didn't do it. He did some of it, but he didn't do some of it. And this is what he says. Samuel comes and confronts him and says, you didn't obey the Lord. In verse 20, he says, Saul says to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and I've gone out on the mission which the Lord sent me, and I brought back Agag and Amalek, and I've destroyed the Amalekites. But the people, not me, you know, those people, you know, they took the plunder, the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things, which should have, yeah, I agree, they should have been utterly destroyed. But, but they used them to, to sacrifice to the Lord. Yeah? So that's a good thing. And Samuel says, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. You know, we, we have this incredible ability like Saul um, to kind of fulfill the word of God. <laughs> Sort of almost like 80%, we like, I'm, I'm not doing it all, but like I'm, I'm pretty, I'm doing more than most people, yeah? We, we have this amazing ability to, to live in, in, in like this area of compromise. Um, you know, I, and I, I, I share this example, like to my shame, okay? Like, <laughs> I, I, so I'm a pastor, right? And uh, I read the Bible before I go to bed, and it's things like that. And 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 I'm also on a on a on a medical aid, all right? That that like records how many steps I do in a day. And if I get like a certain amount of steps or a certain amount of exercise in the day, then I get rewards for that. Like I get smoothies and and I don't know other things. Okay, like discounts. Okay, and I'm like the the discount king. Okay, like where's the discount? I know where the discount is. I, I, I study medical aids to work out like what is the best way. Like I'm going to pay them nothing. I'm going to get every reward available. <laughs> so, so like I'm clear. I know the path to discount. All right. And, and what I would do, like if I had noticed, like when I got into bed at night and like I had to get 5,000 steps and I was sitting on like 4,900, like I wouldn't get up and walk around the house like my wife would do, I would just take my watch off and take my book 
and then I'd flick it backwards and forwards. <laughs> like this, and then I'd look, 4,950, and I would keep <laughs> flicking it backwards. I say this to my shame, and then I get 5,000, awesome, carry on reading my book on prayer, or, you know, something else like that. Thank you, Jesus, you know, for my wife, my family, and, and I'd just, and then I'd go to bed, and, and for ages this continued until one day, like, I really became illuminated to this word called integrity. When, I don't know, I think it was at a marketplace event or somewhere like this. And I was like, I've been sinning <laughs> against God <laughs> and man, you know. And I, and I had to repent. I don't do that anymore. I'm just saying, okay. <laughs> but, but like I, <laughs> and some of you all didn't need to take note. I, I, I see the conviction of the Lord falling <laughs> in various places this morning, okay. <laughs> but like I, you know, this is, this is the thing about us is, is obedience is like we, we honestly feel like, like we have this amazing ability to be in church and surrounded by the word and, and, and think that we're okay. But actually when, when we just get a little bit more illumination, just a little bit more of, you know, something from the scriptures, it's like we, we realize that, hang on, the way I'm speaking about this, the way I'm thinking about this, the way I'm treating this person, the way I'm acting at work, the way I'm treating my work, the way I'm treating my spouse, the way I'm treating my kids, the way I'm doing this job, the way is actually not God-honoring. It's not, and, and, and so what we have to understand is that this journey that God has called us on requires humility. It requires us to continually, you know, not sit in church and think, oh, it's a message on discipleship, this is for X, because I was part of a connect group once before. No, don't, don't think like that. Rather, rather think with humility and go, well, hang on, this is for me. And how, and how can I actually live this out better in my life? And Lord, I, I, you know, humility says I don't have it all together. Even if I'm a pastor, even if I'm a leader, even if I, Lord, I don't have it all together. Can you, can you teach me? Can you show me so I can get this thing called obedience in my life? Amen. Samuel, unfortunately, didn't have that. He didn't just obey fully the word of God. But even when confronted, even when illumination came through the prophet Samuel, he still chose to have excuses. And so what we learn is greatness is obedience without excuses. <laughs> excuses are typically the thing that keep us from greatness. He said it was the people. And then anyway, look at what they did. They, didn't, they just kept some of the stuff, but it wasn't me, it was them. But, but then they, they, they actually sacrificed a whole lot of it anyway. And that's a good thing to do anyway. So there's a difference between good things and God things. There's a difference between doing what God has called you to do and just doing everything else that kind of looks good. And it's possible that you can be here and be in church and be saved and be all of that and be doing like a whole lot of good things and everybody go, oh, what a good person, what a good person, but still be in disobedience to what God has called you to do. And so we must understand that, you know, it's for us to train ourselves towards obedience, to obey Christ. And that comes through a, a humble heart. Trish and I have a friend who, who, um, who has a phrase. You know how some friends have phrases, and, and she like throws this one out quite a lot because um, she's quite a she's like really strong fitness person and stuff. And you know when it comes to that area, that's pretty much where we have the most excuses. Like, should I wake up early and go for a run or a swim or something? It's like I went to bed too late last night. I don't have proper running shoes. I, come on, what's your one? You know, we all, you kind of like, that's the one area where we have excuses. And she always has this phrase, like whenever, like she smells an excuse. She says this, you either make an excuse or you make a plan. You either make an excuse or you make a plan. And so when it comes to the obedience of the Lord, what are you doing? Are you making a plan or are you making excuses? Well, I'll do it there because there, and I, I didn't give that much, but I gave so much. And, and listen, we've got to understand that we, we get trained into obedience. You know, you might not have it all down now, and you might not have it all correct, and that's okay. But the idea is we're on a journey. 
And, and we've got to grow in our obedience to the Lord where He can tell us to do things and we can actually obey them. We can follow through. Let, let me ask you, like, is there any room in your life for God to ask you to step out of your comfort zone and do something that's maybe a little bit inconvenient? Like, kind of like Diane, we heard. Like, I love that. She, God said, get onto AV. So she just obeyed. She just did it, you know? Like, is there any room in our life where, where God can actually pull us out of our comfort zone and ask us to do something that might require courage or sacrifice or something beyond maybe what we feel like we have? Can He do that? I think He should be able to, right? But like we, we often just like fill our heads with noise. Ah, da, 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 da. We sing a song, Christian song, had my quiet time, did this, da, da, da. but don't ask me to step out of my routine, dad. I'm doing all the good, good, good things, you know, I did that, take, chick, 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 you know, all, all the right things, but just don't, 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 don't mess with my little perfect life, Father God, you know, don't, don't, don't just, don't tell me to go to a stranger, don't tell me to do that, that's a little too much, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm on my way. I'm not there. I'm not ready yet, Dad. What's your excuse? You either make an excuse or you make a plan to follow the Lord. Um, in 1 Kings 17, verse 5, this says this of Elijah. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. I love that picture that's up there. All right? I love that. No excuse, <laughs> which is... Actually, the way to greatness, I want you to see, or there's excuses. Let's not be the people who make excuses. Let's be the people who say, so Wayne went and did according to the word of the Lord. So Andre went and did according to the word of the Lord. So Spore went and did according to the word. So so Diane went and did according to the word of the Lord. I want you to know that the most exciting life you can live is that phrase. When he did that, when Elijah did that, he saw fire come down from heaven. Where he saw, you know, the dead being raised. When he went and did according to the word of the Lord, guess what? He got to live a very exciting life with God. And it was out there, man. It was like walking on water, you know. But, but that's what happens only when we go out and do according to the word of the Lord. So the first verb in discipleship is obey Christ. Okay. Can you say obey Christ? Obey Christ. We're going to do that. Amen? We're, we're that kind of church. We just, we're going to obey the word of the Lord. The second one is teach others to do so as well. Teach others to do so as well. So the path to greatness is obeying Christ and teaching others to do so as well. How many of you can quote the, the Great Commission? Matthew 28, verse 18. Let's go. Don't, don't put it up. Don't put it up. Take it out. Take it out. <laughs> Okay, let's go. In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the got some disciples and yo 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 i will be with you until the end of the age okay you can put the scripture up there Tavo. well done come on give yourselves a hand guys uh, we we got some people who know the great commission okay <laughs> and we know where to find it as well that's powerful um and ah oh, man that just gives me so much like i feel so proud of you well done like yeah we know scriptures we can quote them come on guys that's amazing um so so look at, look at this. This is, the, this is the, the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. <laughs> How is it that a commission from an earthly king can be considered an honor, but the commission from the king of kings is considered a sacrifice? That was David Livingston, I think. Was David Livingston? David Livingston. Yeah. You know, we, we often, this, is, this is, brings us back to point one, the obedience part, is where we read the Bible and we really think this is for somebody else. Or we really think it's like a good suggestion. 
when actually what we should be doing is going, so we went and did according to the word of the Lord. No excuses. No excuses. We went and did according to the word. Like we would read that and go and do what he says we should do. Go make disciples of all nations. So go make disciples and then look at what discipleship is. It's teaching them, people, to obey all things that I've come on. So everything Jesus thought about marriage and family and your mouth and forgiveness and, and walking and integrity and righteousness and how to be great in the kingdom of God and every, everything that Jesus taught is really what we should be teaching. But I want you to notice the object of all teaching. The, the object of teaching is not to tickle people's ears. It's not to impress them. And it's not to fill their heads with knowledge. But it's to teach them to obey. There's the word again. <laughs> So, so the object, you know, unfortunately in the church, this is what we kind of do. We kind of, and this is what the pressure that preachers like myself feel is like we want to say things that are going to make you go, wow, and ooh, and then fill you with knowledge and everything. And then when you walk out the door and I feel like, yes, I did my job. Everyone loved that. Yeah, we enjoy, enjoyed it. You know what I mean? But actually, like if you walk out that door and you don't obey the word of God, then this was really a pointless exercise. <laughs> so the object of preaching, teaching, discipleship is obedience. We want to teach people to obey Jesus. Somebody say amen. So let's do an exercise this morning. Everyone on their feet. Everyone on their feet. Josh, just as you're standing, bro, I just got a word for you. I just saw you holding that flag, and I feel like God's saying, Son, I'm going to send you to nations. You're a man of the nations. I've called you for greatness. I've called you to travel. I'm going to take you to places you never thought you could go to. There are, there, there are destinations that you've looked at through in your life. You've, you've looked at certain places and said, oh, I wonder if maybe one day or whatever. Lord says, I'm going to start to place you in the next couple of years in strategic position that's going to launch you into nations. You're going to have open doors into many cultures around the world. You're a man of nations. You're a man of cultures. I'm going to start to break your heart for nations. You're going to start to weep for nations. When you arrive in nations, you're going to start to open doors for the church in nations. You're going to start to open doors for discipleship to happen in nations. There is a fruitfulness that's going to come from your life that's going to astound you. I see like a Christian background to you, a Christian heritage or something like that. But there's been a disconnect over the last few years. There's been something that's been broken in the lineage. The Lord says, I'm restoring the line of blessing over your life. I'm restoring the true line over your life. From now on, you will walk in. In this, this mantle of nations and carrying the heart for nations. There's going to be an, a, an ability on you to learn language, to see people groups, to, to understand different cultures, to blend into cultures, to, to serve and, and, and help other people that you never thought you would ever meet in your life. There's going to be a moment where you're going to look back in your life 10 years from now and you're going to say, my goodness, I never dreamed I would be doing what I'm doing in the place that I am today. Amen. Amen. You can, I don't know why, but that just came for you this morning. Um, so let's, let's, let's do an exercise, okay? If you're here this morning and you are able to teach me, all right? I'm a good student, all right? I, I think I got a C from a trick, all right? But I can learn. <laughs> I'm trainable, all right? <laughs> If you can teach me the fundamentals to economics, accounting, or chemistry, you can take your seat. You can take your seat. There's a few going down. There's a few. The fundamentals to accounting, chemistry, or economics. Counting, chemistry, or economics. Take, you're able to teach me the fundamentals, eh? Okay, there's a few taking their seats, all right? The rest, don't feel, just chill. Everything's going to be all right. Just keep standing. Don't feel, don't be, don't be shy, okay? Just, if you're here this morning and you are able to teach me, all right, I, I recognize that I do not have a musical bone in my body, okay? But I can learn. <laughs> 
If you're able to teach me a musical instrument, please take a seat this morning. If you feel like you could teach me... Um, <laughs> okay, there's a few sitting. All right. If you're able to teach me... All right, I'm not that good in the kitchen, but I really enjoy eating. Okay, if you're able to teach me to make an apple pie, please take your seats. <laughs> For those who are standing, just relax. Don't worry. This is not... If you're able to teach me, if you're still standing, if you're able to teach me the rules of rugby and how to play rugby, take your seats. I did that on purpose. <laughs> okay, if you here and you're able to teach me how to braid somebody's hair, you can take your seats. Some of you have sat like five times off. If you teach me how to braid hair, okay. For those of you standing, don't worry. If you're here and you're able to teach me how to change a nappy, please take your seats. No, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, you're able to do it because, because you've done it. Okay, just checking, just checking. Okay, nobody stood up again to their feet. It wasn't like I've seen it on YouTube, so, uh, you know. Okay. If you're able to teach me how to put a budget together for my personal finances, take your seat. Put a budget together for my personal, okay. If you're able to teach me how to use a drill or a saw, power tool, take a seat. <laughs> Matthew's like so happy. <laughs> okay. I kind of thought you'd all be seated by now. So I just, so if you're able to teach me how to tie my shoelaces, you can take a seat. <laughs> Uh, okay, so what we've established this morning is that everybody knows how to teach. Ah, ah, okay. And why are you able to teach? Because you've, you've been taught, you've learned how to do it. Maybe it was YouTube, maybe a parent, maybe a teacher, maybe Vasi, whatever, whatever it was. You, you learned because somebody taught you how to do it. Correct. Or you watched it happening and then you learned. So here's my question to you. How many sermons have you received in your life? Okay, let's work it out. 52 weeks in a year, 52 weeks in a year. Math people, we're the math people, all right? 50, let's say you went to church every week. It was a good year, all right? Every week. How many, that's how many sermons? 52. Okay, let's say you also read a few chapters in the Bible, and each chapter in the Bible is also a sermon. Okay, let's count that. And let's say you read through maybe one gospel in the whole year, and let's take the gospel of Matthew. Well, how many chapters? 30 chapters? 28. 28 chapters in Matthew. Sorry, 28 chapters in Matthew. So that's another 28 sermons. How many sermons are we up to now? 80. Thank you for that calculator, my darling. Keep it going. Uh, <laughs> trying to look smart, I see. In church, eh? <laughs> so, so we're up to 80, all right? How many years have you been saved? Who's been saved in, like, in church for like 10 years? Diane, how long have you been in church? Since you were? Okay, no, we're not going to do age for ladies. I will never do that in church. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Let's say 10 years. Times up by 10. How many? How many years? 12. Okay, 12. Times 80 by 12. 960. 960. Okay, that's just reading one gospel in the year and going to church every year. That's not including the podcasts or the Bible studies or anything else that we've been a part of. So let me ask you this question. Like, you were able to teach somebody how to do something because you saw it taught. How is it that you can listen to, like, a thousand sermons but never be able to teach the Word of God to somebody else. <laughs> it's okay, this is what we came to church for, yeah? Came for this. 
Over two million. Over two million people in just seven years. It's the whole, like, amazing thing about multiplication. All right, when you read the book of Acts, it says that the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Acts chapter 6, I think it is, all right? Um, somewhere around there, 4, 5, 6, somewhere around there, Acts chapter 4, 5, or 6. It says the number of disciples multiplied greatly because, all right, everybody was making disciples. Within one generation after Jesus had lived, one generation after Jesus had lived, the entire Roman Empire had been reached with the gospel. Why? Well, because they never thought the way we thought about the kingdom. When we think about the kingdom, we think about going to church. When they thought about the kingdom, they thought about making disciples. Jesus never told us to go and plant churches. Nowhere in the New Testament will you see a command to go and plant churches. (laughs) He commanded us to go and make disciples who obey. Who obey everything that Jesus... And if they're going to obey, then the one thing they should be obeying is also the call to go and make disciples themselves. So it goes like this. I reach Langer with the gospel. I teach him. And right from the beginning, I'm encouraging him to reach his unsaved friends and family. Right from the beginning. So you build a culture like that. And what happens is you enter into this amazing thing called multiplication. It's like the old story of the rice and the chessboard. Have you heard about that? This king in India challenges, or China, I think it was, challenges this guy, the sage, to a game of chess. And he says, if, if, you, if I lose a chess, I'll give you anything in my kingdom. And he says, you know what, you don't have to give me a big thing. Just, just put one block of rice on the chess, first chessboard. You know a chessboard's got 64, 8 by 8, 64. The first square, just put one block, and then double it on the next square. And then double it on the next square. And the king's like, yeah, yeah, sure, that's a, that's an easy one. You know, when, when you do that exercise, just on a chessboard, do you know that by the time you get to square 64, you are up to 210 billion tons of rice. Enough to cover the square meterage of India one meter deep in ice. Uh, rice, not ice, rice. It's hot. I need ice. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> and that is the thing about multiplication. And it's like, guys, Jesus hasn't just called you just to obey and be a good Christian. He's called you to be fruitful as well. What is fruitfulness? It's about going and investing your life in others who don't know Jesus. Amen. All right. I want to finish this morning. Can we stand to our feet? Um, How are you going to be great in the kingdom? Turn to somebody, tell them. Obey Christ and teach others to do so also. Obey Christ and teach others to do also. That's it. That's greatness in the kingdom. And you know, like people who do that faithfully um, might not even get recognized this side. Might not even get like some reward. Oh, you only disciple 21 people. But who did they disciple? And who did they disciple? And who did they reach? That who did they disciple? And they, you know what I mean? And and I'm telling you now, that's all being credited in the kingdom of God. And so right here now, we don't ever see that because they never got a stage and they never got a website and a blog and all of that sort of stuff. But when we that side, we're going to see. Okay, that's how we're going to see. When I first started pastoring this. Uh, community congregation, I, I went to God and I said to him, Lord, like I know like what I need to do as a leader and as a pastor and stuff, but can you just give me something like fresh, like give me some angle, like anything in particular that you want me to do? And he said these interesting words to me. He said, Wayne, make them great. My, you know what my th- first thought was? I'm going to preach on prosperity, brother. I'm going to get everybody rich. <laughs> I'm going to make you all like famous and empower you and like you can see you rise to the top. I just didn't realize how my mind has been so shaped by the world's mentality of greatness. When actually what he was asking me was to teach you how to be a servant and how to make disciples. That's it. If I do that, you will be great. And when we're in eternity, you're going to come thank me, yeah? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we've had.
Thank you for your word. It brings life, healing, and direction, Lord. Lord, there's no doubt that we are all convicted here this morning. And, and we know that it's not just to be faithful, but to be fruitful. But we confess this morning, myself included, Lord, just our inability to follow through and obey and to really be fruitful. Father, we confess this morning that we have way too many excuses when it comes to making disciples and obeying you. And we just humble ourselves before you and we, and we repent of a, of a heart that just is so uncompliant and so hard in many ways. We confess this morning we haven't arrived yet. We, we've made some progress, but there's still a journey ahead. And I ask, Father God, that you would come and fill this congregation with conviction to be fruitful. I pray, Father God, that you would come and fill every person here with courage to be fruitful. That every person here would pay the price to be great in your kingdom rather than in this world. To not pursue a great lifestyle, but pursue true greatness in the kingdom by being servants and being disciple makers. I pray for the empowerment of your spirit over all of us. I pray for opportunities this week to go forth and obey your word. I pray for multiplication in this church, Lord. I pray that we would all grasp this gospel and start to give it, give it away, open up our homes, open up our lives to, to investing in other people to know you and to follow you and to obey you as well. I pray for opportunities this week, Lord. I thank you for grace upon grace, Lord Jesus. Lord, I know when you correct, Lord Jesus, you do it with such a love that just makes us want to follow the right pattern. And I pray that, Lord, your love would lead us as we go forth from here. That we wouldn't be led in works and try and strive up to some standard, but, but your love would just saturate us. We would see ourselves as we truly are, fully qualified, fully able, ready to go, ready to do what you've called us to do. That we would see this gospel for what it is. That we would see people for who they really are. That we would see the harvest, Lord. That we wouldn't just see crowds. The disciples saw crowds. You saw sheep without a shepherd. Lord, help us to go and be those shepherds. Shepherd the people in our workplaces. Shepherd the people in our classrooms. Shepherd our, our neighborhood, Lord God. Bring people to the word. Empower them with the word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. May God bless you and may he keep you. And may he make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Please join us for tea and coffee outside. For some visitors, don't forget to take your flag to the Connect Zone. We want to we wanna meet you and greet you. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.